0: It's January 25th, 2023, and of course, uh, welcome to Bite Marsh Cafe right here on Hawaii Public Radio, where we serve you the first bite of today's science, technology, and innovation. I'm Bert Lum. Uh, this week, we will jump right into our conversation, and we'll talk about the flight of E-Hawk, which is uh, Iolani School's electric-powered glider, and I have with me today, I want to welcome Martin M.D., he's an instructor over at Iolani High School, and uh, he's been on before, so this is a a, um, repeat uh, appearance, and of course, uh, he's here to tell us about, you know, EHOC, the construction of it, the uh, the fact that it uh, actually now has uh, reached its uh, kind of first flight milestone. I want to welcome Martin to Bite Marks Cafe. Hi,
1: Bert. Uh, Thanks for having me on the show again.
0: Yeah, you Um. know... We were uh, you and I chatted back in in August, <clears throat> and uh, it was the kind of like the kind of the coming out, the the rolling out of the the e hawk, and and uh, it was uh, uh, pretty neat, you know, glider constructed at Iolani in the Sullivan Center, and you got a whole student team to put it all together. Um, yeah, maybe give us a little bit of recap of uh, how how EHOC became a reality.
1: Okay. Um, yeah, I've always been interested in uh, these primarily these two things, aviation and um, things that are electric-powered. Mm-hmm. So in my other teaching job uh, back in Maui, did, we did a number of uh, EV com- Conversions we took internal combustion engine automobiles and converted them to fully electric and at that time you know you couldn't really go out and buy an electric vehicle there was the EV1 and maybe the Tesla Roadster was just coming out But for the most part uh, they didn't exist. So we you know embarked on this type of project with students and It was fairly successful and then as you know um, now, um, almost all the automakers, the main automakers, have an EV offering,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and the batteries have progressed to a point where I thought, oh, let's do this project again, except with uh, an aircraft instead of a, uh, you know, a car.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: so that's kind of what, what got, the, got the juices flowing and at that point, I had been, you know, in education prior to working at Boeing as an enge- engineer. I'd been in education for about 15 years. So I had a pretty good idea of what, you know, students were capable of. And I thought it was perfect timing to embark on, on something, you know, at this level.
0: Yeah, you know, and was your uh, time over at Boeing, I mean, not everybody will Google, you know, how to build a... Electric uh, uh, powered glider, uh, but you had some exposure to, you know, aeronautics and aerodynamics, and you know, maybe uh, the design of of uh, a craft that could fly. I mean, how much of that did you need in order to have the confidence to take on this project?
1: Um, not not a whole lot. My background is in electrical engineering, mm-hmm. so I'm not an you know aeronautical engineer. Um, so what, what helped in that regard where, you know, in the areas where I was deficient, uh, we started with an a, a aircraft that was already designed. So we, we found some plans for an aircraft that were open source, mm-hmm. and we decided it would be a, you know, a perfect platform for an electric conversion uh, in terms of its size and, and lightweight and also you know, relative ease of construction. Uh, so we started with that kind of baseline, and then you know our our part came in in the design and fabrications of modifications to that existing design, where we added the electric propulsion and our custom avionics and a number of other you know smaller items.
0: And you know, in terms of the team, the team that you assembled, uh, were they kind of handpicked and and Obviously, this wasn't something that they built in a, you know, in a semester, right? I mean, it, it probably took a couple of years. So, how did you how did you plan this out over the course of a student's, let's say, you know, sophomore, junior, senior year?
1: Um, yeah, I think that the if I look back, we were probably you know five years ago when we started this. Mm-hmm. We were delayed, you know, we lost a good year and a half due to COVID. Um, but you're right. I had to assemble you know, a a team of students that I thought would, you know, be committed to a longer duration project. And fortunately, um, you know, my day job during the day, I'm teaching uh, robotics electives. Mm -hmm. So in a way, I could kind of, um, you know, handpick or at least, uh, you know, kind of feel out which students were going to be able, were, were capable and that I thought would be able to stick with you know a longer duration program, um, and I had students that started in the ninth grade and they worked on the project all the way up until their uh, senior year and oh, Wow,
0: wow, that's great! Um,
1: but again, it helps when you have them in the classroom, you know, during the academic day, so you get to know you get to know them, and and that that was a big a big help in selecting and recruiting students for this project.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and were there, uh, you know, any particular characteristics that you were looking for in the student?
1: Uh, yeah, we needed a, you know, a good cross-section of, of skills and talent. So we needed some that were uh, going to be able to write computer code. Mm-hmm. We needed some that were really good at fabricating things and prototyping, you know, uh, quickly. Um, some good in mechanical design, electrical design, and then... You know, not to overlook, uh, but probably the most important part is students that were interested in managing, you know, the project. Mm-hmm. Maybe they didn't have all the, the technical skills, but they didn't need them, uh, but were more so interested in, in managing and, you know, uh, doing the paperwork, especially when it came time to certify the aircraft.
0: And so, um, you know, when...
1: so, yeah, like any business, we yeah. did a good cross-section of, of students with, yeah. with varying skills.
0: Exactly. I mean, I was going to say that uh, what you pull together would be something that probably any business would need to pull together if they want to have a real high-functioning team. So that's a that's a yeah. great uh, a testament in in finding those kind of right components. Now, in 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 bringing the the students together, did you did you encounter any let's say challenges that you needed to, you know, maybe technically they they all could achieve the task. But when it comes down to kind of people-to-people interactions, did you have to help them out at any point in time?
1: Um, no, not really. For the most part, they they, they figured out how to work together oh, okay. you know, effectively and efficiently.
2: Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Um, I would have to say that it, with regards to working on the project, the biggest challenge was for these students to find the time. Yeah. Um, you know, at Eli School, um, students are offered a whole bunch of options and there's there's a lot of things they, they can do during the school day a lot of electives they can choose and then it doesn't end there um then there's a you know a whole bunch of extracurricular things that they can they can pursue so the the biggest challenge was you know getting these students together for long you know an hour or more hour to two hours at a time, mm-hmm. and that was the, that was the really only way to make progress. So uh, most of the most of the work on the aircraft took place on the weekends, either Saturday or Sunday. Wow, that's um, a because the kids were so stretched, you know, yeah. during their normal school day. Right, and I didn't even mention athletics, but a lot of them were also pursuing athletics. So
0: <laughs> that's incredible. So, so Martin, you know what I what I. I do want to also kind of like fast forward to the fact that, you know, you announced uh, we had the press release on in August. But then there was a, a first flight event that took place uh, recently. So why don't we why don't we kind of hold that thought? We'll be right back at this short break to continue our conversation with Martin M.D., instructor over at Iolani High School and one of the key uh, proponents of building the electric powered E-Hawk. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum. If you're just joining us, we're talking to Martin MD. He's an instructor over at Elani High School and uh, teaches classes in robotics. And of course, uh, the E-Hawk project was uh, one of his uh, kind of brainchilds. And of course, uh, they accomplished a great great feat. I was able to, you know, see the the, the aircraft back in August of last year and and shortly thereafter they actually took it to uh the the Dillingham airfield and and flew it so uh Martin what was you know when we when we saw it over at the Sullivan Center uh you know it was obviously in the Sullivan Center and it had to be disassembled and you had to pretty much take it over to uh Dillingham and you know that's not a trivial thing i mean you got to you got to have a hangar over there you have to have all the you know the permits and and the the sort of the uh things required by the f a a to actually do a flight so a lot of that kind of behind the scenes activity uh was that students getting involved with that or how did how did you manage the not only the transport but you know actually setting up the time for the actual flight
1: um yeah that was a uh, uh quite involved process. Fortunately, um, as you recall, when you were here in August, there were, I think I had about five students back still on their summer break from uh, college. They were still on island. Um, but they had, a, a number of them had to leave shortly thereafter. But I was fortunate to have two of my students still here on island when it came time to transport the aircraft to the Dillingham Airfield. Mm-hmm. So, um, that was a huge help. Basically, we had to disassemble it, like you mentioned. We had to uh, take the wings off um, and basically get the aircraft in smaller pieces so that we could fit it down the stairwell of the Sullivan Center. <laughs> right, um, right. Fortunately, um, there was some question as to whether the, the wing halves would actually fit or if we had to take it take the wings apart even further. Mm-hmm,
2: um, mm-hmm.
1: But fortunate for us, they did fit. Uh, it was precarious, getting them down the stairwell. Uh, we loaded everything up into a U-Haul and then took it out to the airfield where we had uh, secured a hangar out at the um, on the glider end of Dillingham Airfield. Mm-hmm. And again, since I had you know two students still remaining, uh, we were able to reassemble the aircraft, and the whole process uh, was a two-day a two-day event.
0: <laughs> so, now, do you you know? I would probably never have to get a hangar over at Dillingham. I mean, what does it take to actually, you know, set that up? I mean, you have to make some arrangements, right? I mean, that's not something uh, that they yeah. have open, yeah, open and, spaces well, for.
1: Yeah, uh, well, through the federal government, and, and an additional piece, though, that I wasn't— well, I guess I was kind of aware of, but I didn't I didn't realize it was going to be— um, make it even more difficult— was mm-hmm. that, obviously, you, you have to go through the state? Because the state runs the airfield out there,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, but the army, um, so federal government, also had to be involved because they, I, I believe, they actually own the property out there, and the state leases it from them. So, you know, to to summarize, it was it was a lot of paperwork um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that we had to, you know, we had to provide to different authorities to to secure the hangar.
0: Yeah. So you know, once once uh. You have the hangar, and, and having gone through all the necessary steps to secure it, how long are you gonna keep, you know, the the, the hangar, uh, you know, space? Is it something that you will perhaps uh, do multiple runs from, or was it pretty much two days? You did the flight and then had to take it back to Sullivan Center. What's the, what what what's what kind of took place there?
1: Well, we basically have the hangar as long as we as we need it. So we're we're continuing to rent it,
2: mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. we are
1: hopeful that the um, airfield stays open. There's been some talk over the you know past years of it shutting down, um, but I haven't heard anything um, recently that that leads us to believe that it's going to shut down in the near term. Um, so yeah, we have it out there, and we will continue to to test the aircraft, you know, as long as we need to. So I can, I mean, I can talk a little bit about the process of flight testing if you'd like. Yeah, sure,
0: sure. I mean, I wanted to ask you, like, how did, who did you get to actually fly it? And then once it's, you know, airborne, what is it that you're now evaluating? Are you trying to figure out, like, uh, how to tweak it, maybe get better performance? What's the, what's the engineering, how is your engineering mind thinking about, you know, what steps... Need to be taken to improve ehawk
1: right, so uh, regarding the test pilot, I was fortunate before we we actually got the hangar when we were looking into getting the hangar. Um, I met a guy named Steve Lowry who works out at the airfield. He has a business called acroflight International and he's been out at the at Dillingham for quite some time. He's very familiar with mm-hmm. with how the airfield runs and the more importantly the weather conditions out there. Um, and he hadn't even seen the aircraft at the time. It was still at the school when I talked to him. Um, but I I just, you know, asked, hey, uh, would you be interested in volunteering to test fly our aircraft?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And without hesitation, he said, yeah, sure, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he was especially interested because he knew um, it was a, you know, a student-built uh, or student-designed-slash-built project, mm-hmm. and he has a history of working with um, the youth in terms of aviation. He's he's trained a number of youth how to fly gliders, and um, he does a lot of work with uh, scouts out there as well.
0: Wow, that's great.
1: Well, so I, I think we were we were extremely fortunate um, to find him. So he agreed to fly it. We we once we got the aircraft out there, um, he didn't spend too long actually looking it over. He also has. Um, He's also a certified aircraft mechanic, um, so obviously he knows what to look for. And he looked the, looked the aircraft over, and um, it was nice for us to hear him say that um, it was a really built, a really well-built aircraft. Mm-hmm. And there was mm-hmm. again, no hesitation of him to to hop in and and fly it.
0: And and uh, I guess uh, how long are the, how long do the batteries allow a flight? I guess uh, time time period.
1: Um, as as far as we know now, based on the the testing that we've done so far, we anticipate we could stay up for about thirty minutes mm-hmm. on battery mm-hmm. power. Mm-hmm. Um, but the nice thing about flying out of Dillingham is you have the the ridge right there,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and the trade winds. So if you get the aircraft high enough, you know, kind of at the ridge line or just above, uh, you could, in theory. Turn the motor off and and stay up just on the ridge lift provided by the trade
0: wind. Wow. Okay. Drive- yeah that 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 sounds like an actual you know kind of a maybe the next step for uh, e Yeah.
1: So in terms of flight testing, we've we've had about five flight tests. Um, the longest one has been maybe about fifteen minutes, where we where pilot Steve did uh, two circuits around the airfield and maybe got up to about. 800 feet uh, maximum. Um, so what needs to happen now is we actually have to create a pilot operating handbook
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Um, because this is an experimental aircraft. It didn't come with one, so we um, have to generate our own, and that's going to hinge on or be driven by the uh, flight test data that we collect. So uh, more flight testing is is planned. And at some point, uh, you know, he will uh, will continue to take it higher and higher um, and do some, you know, stall tests to figure out basically what the limitations are and what the flight envelope is for this. Wow. You
0: know,
2: yeah. It's
1: experimental. It doesn't come
0: with. (laughs) So is this a path to improvement? I mean, in terms of testing, will the outcome of the tests result in a you know, a, a, uh, you know, let's say your your guidebook, but then in the process of testing, are there things that might indicate things you might want to perhaps improve?
1: Yeah, um, the testing has already, you know, illuminated a couple issues that we had with our motor controller system. Mm -hmm. And it did, there were a couple of in-flight shutdowns that occurred. Mm. um, Because again, and, and this is, you know, this is why you do, you do flight tests. Mm-hmm. Um, but fortunately it wasn't, it wasn't any major event. Uh, number one, because we have a pilot in their test pilot who's experienced in experienced flying aircraft that don't have an engine to, to begin with. Um, so he knew exactly what to do when the, when the motor, um, cut out
2: mm-hmm. and, and
1: just glided it back, back safely. Um, so because of that testing, we've, made some adjustments on the motor controller so that you know this doesn't happen again we've upped the current limits and things like that yeah Um, yeah other other things that that you know will be illuminated by the by the flight testing like you asked you know what's the duration Mm -hmm. again we we haven't we haven't flown it long enough to completely drain the battery so the the 30 minute flight time is, is still just a guess but we'd like to know you know for sure what that is. And as always, we'd, we'd, we'd want to increase that if we could. So we'd be looking at uh, potentially making the aircraft more efficient in the air. Um, and that could mean maybe providing a fairing that goes around the pilot um, to deflect more of the wind, so the, the to reduce the drag, in other words, of the aircraft. And that's one thing that would give us more flight time. We could you know, this would be a stretch and a big one, but we could maybe modify the wing to make it more efficient.
2: Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Uh, we can we can design a bigger battery with more energy capacity to, again, increase our flight time. And we could also experiment with different motor and propeller combinations.
2: Right,
0: right, right. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, obviously uh, uh, more battery capacity would, would extend the flight. Uh, I I do want to, you know, find out a little bit about not only— and you've, you've uh, nicely explained some of the things that you might want to incorporate as a result of testing. But, you know, what is the plan for Hawk now that, you know, it's in its sort of flight worthiness and how do students get involved with this project and are there other projects that you have in mind? We'll hold that thought. We'll be right, right back after this short break to continue our conversation with Martin M.D. He's an instructor over at Iolani High School and the uh, main proponent behind the development of the electric glider called E-Hawk. This is Bite Marks Café. Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum. If you're just joining us, we're talking to Martin M.D., instructor in robotics over at Iolani High School. And, of course, we're talking about the, the first flight of ehawk and the transition from you know, being a design and build project for students to now a, a flight-worthy uh, glider and some of the, the next phases of, of what um these flights and what some of the test data might help reveal and and perhaps even uh contribute to improvements to the actual uh design of the e hawk so martin i mean what what's what's in plan for the future you have you know the students that have uh, been a part of this they've they've built it they've spent you know maybe 3 4 years on it and and now they're off to school and you know college and and you probably either have a, a new crop of students involved or, or do you have a new project involved? I mean, what's, the, what's uh, in mind for the future?
1: Okay, so like I mentioned, the, we will continue to uh, perform flight testing and you know, hope to accumulate the normal time for experimental aircraft. They recommend anywhere from 25 to 40 hours,
2: mm-hmm. um, so mm-hmm.
1: quite a bit more in, in the flight testing realm. Um, in the background i hope to um, get a new batch of students involved in the project somehow i don't have I have a few ideas of what we'd like to do the the big challenge here is the remote location of dillingham airfield right the aircrafts no longer in, on our third right floor, right so i can just walk out into the class out of the classroom into the project space mm-hmm. and and begin working on the on the aircraft so we're going to have to navigate that Um, Somehow, we're also looking or we've been contacted by a couple of youth aviation education programs, Um, so we may be exploring, you know, some community outreach Mm
2: -hmm. that we
1: can use the Ehawk for to, you know, hopefully engage other students in the community, not just our school, but, but other programs and other schools. Uh, to, you know, introduce them to and, and let them see what's possible in the realm of, you know, STEM work. Right, right. Days.
0: Now, some of the ideas that you might be percolating, I mean, what what would you like the students to actually do out at Dillingham? I mean, they're probably, it's probably not a, uh, it's probably a little bit too risky for them to be actually flying it, so you have to have certified flight, uh, you know, let's it, say certified flight uh, uh, pilots to, to do that, but... Um, what do you what do you want to have the students involved in, if not flying?
1: Um, if if we you know decide, I mentioned some of the improvements we, we could potentially make to the aircraft. We would most likely you know dismantle it and and bring in the certain parts that would require the, the modification to Bring those back um, to campus. Like mm-hmm. if we were to add a fairing and and fair in the the pilot seat, we would bring it in um, for that. Um, we could also, you know, in-house here, without having to go out to the airfield, we could develop a bigger, a bigger battery.
2: Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm.
1: Students could also be involved in, you know, data analysis. I'm, I'm, I'm very impressed with what the students were able to do with the, the custom avionics and instrumentation that they built for this plane. Um, it's worked perfectly so far in displaying, you know, all of the information to the pilot, but in addition to that, it logs um, a lot of data, um, and that's data, you know, power consumption, um, you know, temperatures of the motor, the motor controller, battery temperature, battery remaining, current draw, and then all the other, you know, flight data, such mm-hmm, as mm-hmm. airspeed, altitude, ground speed, they've got GPS. But anyway, it logs all of that data. Um, to an SD card, which we can then later offload and analyze. So I'd, I'd like to, you know, see students start getting into some of that as well. And from that analysis, you know, maybe they can, they can come up with ideas to enhance the performance.
0: Mm-hmm. Did, you, uh, did the students actually design the, the electronic interface uh, for, for the eHawk? And do you see any perhaps improvements that need to be implemented?
1: Yeah, they, they completely designed uh, the avionics from scratch. And again, they do a lot of that work uh, in the robotics mm-hmm,
2: um, mm-hmm.
1: class. In other, in other words, they learn the skills necessary in their robotics classes. So um, this obviously was a, a little bit more advanced than what they you know, did in their introductory robotics class. But again, that's where they learn the skills. And um yeah, I think there's always improvements that can be made to to the avionics. We actually um myself and Mariko, I don't know if you remember her, she was on your program with me last
2: mm-hmm, time.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, we just did a zoom call with um, an experimental aviation uh, group out in Washington in the Seattle area. Uh, and they were interested in using our avionics for their. Um, upcoming oh. electric aircraft build.
0: No, that's great. That's great. Hey, that hey, so a Martin, confidence builder. Yeah, Martin. So where can people kind of follow the the path, the journey of EHOC? Uh,
1: we have a website that's mostly up to date now. There's a few, um, you know, entries have to make, be made to update the flight test program. Well, but,
0: Martin, I'll put um, that up on our show notes for later on. I, I really appreciate all the info that and the update for Ehawk. Martin M.D. is the instructor over at Iolani School and the brain, the brain behind you know developing the, the Ehawk hawk uh, electric glider. Uh, and, of course, I want to thank you for joining us today. And, of course, thank you for listening to Bite Mars Cafe. Join us next week when we'll talk about the, the goals that HTDC has in 2023. If you miss any part of this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on bitemarkscafe.org. Our engineer is David Chong. You can catch us on HBR1 every Wednesday or anytime via the HBR app or your favorite podcast application and of course uh, in the meantime you stay safe you stay awesome we'll see you next week on another edition of Bite Mars Cafe of course reveal is next